0: Please join now in our responsive call to worship. God is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. God upholds all those who are falling and raises up all who are down. God is just in all her ways and kind in all his deeds. Let us worship God together. The commitment we have that we know never ends, the hymn speaks of, our commitment is to live truthfully. And that involves speaking the truth about the world that we live in and about ourselves, even when the truth hurts. The truth is the heart of our worship, not guilt, not shame, but truth. And the truth is setting us free. With firm commitment, we confess our sin before God and one another using our unison prayer of confession. Let us pray. O Lord our God, you call us to work for a world where all will be fed and have dignity, but we find ourselves distracted by our own desires. You call us to seek justice and peace but we are satisfied with injustice and discord. You call us to bring liberty to the oppressed, but we do not insist on freedom for all. Forgive us, O Lord. Turn us to your will by the power of your Spirit so that all may know your justice and peace. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior. Amen. The commitment we sung about in the hymn, the commitment of our faith is to live truthfully and that involves speaking the truth about the world and about ourselves, even when the truth sounds too good to be true. Amen, the truth is setting us free to be healed and to try again. Friends, believe this good news. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. And as forgiven people, we can greet one another with words and gestures of peace. It's as simple as greeting those around you here in the pews in the sanctuary with a handshake or a wave or whatever gesture is comfortable for you or clicking the link or scanning the QR code beneath the video player to share your presence online. The peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And also with you. Let us take a moment now to share that peace with one another. I was a little ambitious hiking with some of our students this last Wednesday. It's taking me a little longer to get up and down these steps this morning. Thank you for your understanding. Welcome to worship at Fourth Church this Lord's Day, both online and here in the sanctuary. This community is a gift. It's always a gift. And it is hardly composed exactly the same way, exactly twice. So I hope that you join me this morning in gratitude for this gift today, whether this is a gift that you experience regularly or infrequently or even if this is your very first time experiencing this gift, God welcomes all of us here every time we're here. All are welcome indeed to a time of fellowship following this morning's worship service in Anderson Hall, just to your left outside those doors following the service. There you can have some coffee, kindle some old or new connections with people, and also explore ways perhaps to get more involved in the life of Fourth Church. That's coffee hour following the service. At the same time, anybody wishing to pray with a deacon following worship is invited to do that. That is in Stone Chapel through the doors at the front of the sanctuary to the right of the pulpit. There deacons will be present to sit with you, listen to you, and pray with you. As this is the first Sunday of the month of August, we will be celebrating communion this morning. So if you're worshiping online, we invite you to make sure that you have some bread and juice handy so that we might all share in the sacrament together wherever we are. Next Sunday, we will be welcoming as our guest preacher, Paul Rauschenbusch, who is the president and CEO of the Interfaith Alliance. Paul's an ordained Baptist minister, and a longtime leader in the interfaith movement working to protect an inclusive vision of religious freedom for people of all faiths and people of no faith. And I understand he also some years ago interviewed our own Reverend Dr. Lucy Forster Smith for a piece he wrote for the Huffington Post. Maybe you can find that online. In any case, we hope that next week you will be part of that unique worship experience with us. Next Sunday, we're also having a church picnic We hope that you will plan to join us in the Michigan Avenue courtyard following worship for a time of barbecue and fellowship, simple yard games, even popsicles, bubbles, and hula hoops for kids or any adults who are good at hula hooping, or just enjoy it. Events like this are an important expression of our connection to one another and our service to our community and the wider world, and so we look forward to seeing you at the church picnic next week. If you feel like you're ready to share a caring heart with folks here at the church and beyond, we invite you to join Fourth Church Stephen Ministers after the service on Sunday, August 20th, that's two weeks from today, to learn how this vital ministry of the church shares Christ-centered, compassionate listening and prayer through one-on-ones, one-on-one connections with people who are experiencing challenges. If you're interested in that, in learning more how to serve as a Stephen Minister, this lunch on the 20th will uh, be a, a unique opportunity to hear from past and current Stephen Ministers about how this ministry has touched their lives and how to get involved in it. If you or somebody that you know is interested in learning whether a caring connection with a Stephen Minister might be a good fit for your circumstance, this event is also for you. Info uh, and a link to RSVP to that event can be found in Fourth Church's uh, e newsletter. We invite you also to take a look at the news and opportunities insert or at the back of the worship bulletin for all of these opportunities and other ways to become more connected and engaged in the life of our congregation. Once again, welcome to worship at Fourth Church.
1: Let us pray. O God, by your Holy Spirit, tell us what we need to hear, and show us what we ought to do to follow Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is from Psalm 145, 8 and 9, and 14 through 21. Listen now for God's word for us. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Lord, you are good to all and your compassion is over all your works. The Lord upholds all those who fall and lifts up those who are bowed down. The eyes of all wait upon you, O Lord, and you give them their food in due season. You open wide your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. You are righteous in all your ways and loving in all your words. You are near to all who call upon you, to all who call upon you faithfully. You fulfill the desire of those who fear you. You hear their cry and save them. You watch over all who love you, but all the wicked you shall destroy. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord. Let all flesh bless God's holy name forever and ever. The word of God for the people of God.
2: Our Gospel lesson for this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, the 14th chapter beginning at the 14th verse. Hear now God's word to you for this day. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place, and the hour is now late send the crowds away so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. And Jesus said to them, they need not go away, you give them something to eat. They replied, we have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and two fish, He looked up to heaven and blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds and all ate and were filled and they took up what was left of the broken pieces, 12 baskets full and all those who ate were about 5,000 men beside women and children. Holy wisdom, holy word. The miracle story of what is termed the feeding of the 5,000 can be viewed as a far-fetched tale. We can't fathom it's true, because it is simply not possible that five loaves and two fish fed the crowd that followed Jesus, abandoning all common sense men women and children in blind obedience follow this new miracle worker jesus the successor to john the baptist who is stirring up quite a reputation this healer teacher compassionate leader who had a tribe of followers comes to the outskirts of town taking the crowd to a deserted place and they follow and the momentum builds but what is hidden behind this story is that Jesus is trying to get a break. In the passage right before the one we read for today, he has just learned from the disciples of John the Baptist that Herod has beheaded John. And the absolute shock of that revelation and the details of what transpires lands Jesus in what we might assume was a deep grief. Jesus needs time to let the situation come into full view. Jesus needs time to process it. Jesus needs space to realize that with John's work finished, his work takes on epic proportions, and he needs some rest. He gets in a boat and heads for a deserted place, but the word is out on him, and as he goes ashore, the crowds thicken And follow him. It was a great crowd, about 5,000 men with women and children. You can imagine that it swelled to about 20,000 people. And it may be out of Jesus' own scarcity of energy that he views the enormous need of the crowd with compassion. The scripture says when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and had compassion on them and he cures the sick ones. So taking a breath, the story sort of winds down a bit. As a matter of fact, it's somewhat predictable. It's starting to get dark. The babies are beginning to get fussy. Granddad probably needs his evening meal. Moms get nervous because they know what happens when the blood sugar in teens drops, even though they certainly didn't have it in those terms. And the crowd begins to stir, realizing they followed this compelling healer to a deserted spot and the sun is setting. It is the disciples of Jesus who approach him with what is very obvious— They often seem to bring the obvious and sometimes annoying word into the picture. In case you didn't notice that seems to be Jesus that you've taken us to the middle of nowhere, out here where there are no villages with markets to buy the food, Jesus. Yes, Jesus, isn't this the time to send these folks on their way before things get too out of hand? Well, Jesus, right? And maybe catching his eye, they have a kind of blaming edge in their comments. But there is likely a we know better than you edge to it as well. Well, at this point, I love to imagine the look on Jesus' face. Does he raise his eyebrows with a bit of really gesture? Does he take a deep breath and let it out slowly, understanding the disciples' worry? Or does he simply, plainly, without much ado, just look them in the eye and say, keep them here because you have the power, the possibility, yes, you can tap into the miraculous life I'm about to give you here right now, right away. And then he cuts to the chase. You give them something to eat. What? We don't have anything here except... Five loaves and two fish, they say, fishing around in the satchel that might be a bit wet from the little unexpected launch across the sea. We don't have anything. And how often do we also say the same thing? We don't have anything to give. We don't have anything to offer. We don't have anything to bring. When the nominating committee calls and says, will you be a deacon? Will you be an elder? Will you be a trustee? Do you also say, I don't have anything? Well, maybe a little something, but not enough. Or when a capital campaign host for a cause you care deeply about comes to you with what seems to be a preposterous ask and you find yourself shrugging it off as sort of a compliment, but totally beyond any possibility, even if the stock you invested in 20 years ago has gone through the roof. Or when a neighbor comes over to ask your six-year-old to watch their fish for a few days while they're visiting a sick relative, truly just put a little fish food in the aquarium and your little one blushes because she's scared of such a big responsibility and you stand by ready to lift it off because you don't want to have expectations. Well, yes, like the disciples, we all default to a scarcity mentality. But Jesus calls the disciples out. Or more accurately, he states it plainly you give them something to eat you have what they need you are hungry they are hungry the world is hungry and still fumbling to see if there might be something they've missed the plain talking jesus simply says bring them here the bread and the fish and taking the bread he lifts it before them and he gives thanks with a blessing he breaks it and hands it to the disciples to give it to the crowds and at that intersection of miracle and the disciples hands delivering the bounty all are fed all are satisfied yes there were 12 baskets left bounty abundance a miracle Well, rather than dismiss the miracle as something far-fetched, something out of the realm of possibility, the miracle comes to our 21st century modern mind, blowing it open. Wendell Berry, the farmer poet, once said, those of us who dwell in the time we call modernity do not easily recognize miracles because we've lost any sense of the very miracle of life. To treat life as less than a miracle is to give up on it. Let me repeat that. To treat life as less than a miracle is to give up on it. I agree. And the true miracle was that it ends with lavish abundance for those fed and the disciples who must have been smiling, not to mention Jesus, who knew they had it all along. The miracle here is that beyond the scant holding of life is that there is abundant life. Jesus said, I come to you that you would have life abundant. And this is not just a good life, a life that you claw your way to the top and then rest on your laurels, proud of your accomplishments. No, life abundant that Jesus talks about is one that begins with that deep, growling hunger, the morsel of a couple stale rolls and a little dry fish. And it arises from overwhelming need, realizing that to address it, we must lean on the power and generosity of God's bounty. And the abundance that arises from this miracle and a deserted spot is so important that it shows up in all four gospels and it's centered in our gathering this day this space with the table set it's the realization that we bring to this table our hunger to be filled with abundance so that we can tear out of this place with breathless readiness to feed and clothe and give and serve and love and simply bask in the miracle of life that we will not hold anything back. But we mostly make life small and manageable and predictable and controlled because we do not trust that abundance awaits us. What would it be like to live with an assumption that we have enough. How would our lives be shaped if the assumption of a roaring hunger, panicking, grasping, me at all cost was met with, you have everything you need, and you do. One of fourth church's strategic directions is living with a spirit of abundance. And it's interesting to me that this specific strategic direction has been seen as sort of an outlier. The other four strategic directions of partnerships with Chicago's neighbors and anti-racism, embracing young adult ministry as we know they are future, and technology are seen as the real deal, and living with a spirit of abundance seems somehow out of place. And maybe it is if we live in the mode of managing our lives and the church being an extension of what happens in the commerce of daily living. But this moment in the Christian narrative when abundance pours out on a vast throng of seekers through the unsteady waiting hands of disciples helps us see what the Jesus possibility is. It is daring to live in the alternative world of discipleship, seeing through the eyes and ears and heart of Jesus. And it is so vast, so rich, so blessed, so there that it waits for you to be bold, to be asking for the daily bread, to sing the song of Zion and usher in the alternative miraculous soaring life that lives right there in your skin for the sake of the world through Christ amen
3: remain standing as together we affirm what we believe from the words from the Belhar Confession. We believe in the triune God who gathers, protects, and cares for the church. We believe that God has revealed God's self as the one who wishes to bring about justice and true peace among people that God, in a world of injustice and enmity, is in a special way the God of the destitute, the poor, and the wronged. We believe that the Church must therefore stand by people in any form of suffering and need, so that justice may roll down like waters, and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Therefore, we reject any ideology which would legitimate forms of injustice. Jesus is Lord. To the one and only God, creator Christ and Holy Spirit, be honor and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. What may be your overflow may be, for someone else, their only source of sustenance. We give because we are called to live and serve one another in honor of Christ and in promotion of the good news of life, sustenance, and hope for all. In that spirit of giving, let us give back to God what God has so richly given to us. The offering will now be received.
2: This is the joyful feast of the people of God. People will come from north and south and east and west to sit at the table in the kingdom of God. According to Luke, when our risen Lord was at table with his disciples, he took bread and broke it and gave it to them and their eyes were opened and they recognized him. This is the Lord's table. Our Savior invites those who trust him to share in the feast that he has prepared. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts.
0: We lift them up to the Lord.
2: Let us give thanks to the Lord our God.
0: It is right to give our praise and praise. It is truly right and our greatest <coughs> joy to praise you for your love bringing order out of chaos, breathing life into dust, leading captives to freedom, calling wandering children home, giving bread to the hungry, giving drink to the thirsty, raising the dead to life. We praise you, and we join our voices with all the faithful of every time and place, forever singing to the glory of your name.
3: thank you for Jesus, your word made flesh, light of the world, living water, shepherd and gate, way and truth, bread of heaven, cup of salvation, resurrection and life. We thank you, for great is the mystery of faith.
2: in this bread, in this cup, in your people, one in the body, one in the blood, one with Christ, one in ministry, in this place, in every place, in this world, in the world to come. Holy one, nourish the hungry, provide
3: refugees a home, heal the sick, comfort the grieving, attend the suffering,
0: Holy three, unite the divided, connect the isolated.
2: Holy three in one and one in three, bless our faith, nourish our love, maintain our hope as we wait for your coming reign of justice and overwhelming love through Jesus Christ our Lord who teaches us to pray together the prayer that he taught us saying, Our Father, Father, who art in heaven, heaven. hallowed Hallowed be thy name.
3: on the night of his arrest. Jesus was seated in the upper room with his disciples. And after giving thanks, he took the bread and broke it saying, this bread is my body broken for you. Eat of it in remembrance of me.
2: And after supper, he took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant sealed in my blood. Drink of it, all of you. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you show forth the Lord's death until he comes again in glory. I'd like to give a bit of instruction for you in receiving the elements of communion this morning. We will be receiving a communion at stations this morning, so you are invited to come down to the front or go to the back to receive the bread and cup and then return to your seat by the side aisles and partake of the elements once you have returned to your seat. There will be servers in the aisles as well, the side aisles, that will offer elements to those who do not come forward to the station. So simply raise your hand and indicate that you would like to receive in your seat this morning. So come, for all is now ready. In deep, In deep, deep gratitude, gratitude for, for this, this, moment, this moment, this meal, and these people, we give ourselves to you. Take us out to live as changed people, because we share this sacred meal, and God. now the benediction, go forth into this world in peace, be of good courage, hold to the good, do not return anyone evil for evil, support the weak, uphold the faint of heart, and may the blessing of God Almighty, the creator, the redeemer, and the sustainer of life rest with you and those you love this day and forevermore. Thanks and glory be to God. Amen.